0: The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, there's kind of an odd paradox in our readings for this Sunday. The second reading is from Paul's magnificent letter to the Galatians. Here's a line. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. At the heart of Paul's message, in so many of his letters, is freedom. And here you see it, here you you encounter it in this ringing declaration. It's for liberty, freedom, that Christ has set us free from slavery. Now where's the paradox? The paradox comes in when we look at the other readings proposed for today. The first one is from the first book of Kings, It's a story about Elijah the prophet. You know, by the way, if you're looking for some really, not only theologically profound, but really interesting and and even uh, funny, adventurous readings in the Bible, read the Elijah cycle in the first book of Kings. But here's one toward the end. Elijah is an old man. He has to choose his successor as prophet. The Lord says to him, You shall anoint Elisha. And so Elijah without asking, without seeking permission, simply goes over and throws his mantle, his cloak, over Elisha and says, you are the new prophet. You're my successor. And Elisha, after slaughtering the oxen that he had been using for plowing, joins him. Now, that's a wonderful story, and it sounds like a lot of things, but the one thing it doesn't sound like is freedom. In fact, just the opposite. It sounds as though this man is being impressed into service without being asked, without his permission being sought. The paradox gets even greater when we look at the Gospel reading, which is from the Gospel of Luke. It begins by saying that Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. Why? By an inner necessity he knows that this is what God wants. This is the will of his Father, that he go to Jerusalem to be crucified. Now again, that's many things, but one thing it doesn't sound like is freedom. It sounds like someone under a desperate necessity. Now more to the point, as Jesus makes his way toward Jerusalem, he encounters several prospective disciples. One of them says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus answered him, Let the dead bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, Wonderful, interesting, strange, surprising. But the one thing it doesn't sound like is freedom. It sounds like these people are being placed under a terrific compulsion, a sort of necessity. If anyone in the gospel ever has a reasonable request, it seems to be this one. Look, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me do this very reasonable task. Let me bury my father who's just died. And then we get this very surprising response from the Lord. Let the dead bury their dead. You have an obligation to preach the kingdom of God. So the problem is, Christians, which one is it? It's for freedom that Christ set you free. And then there's this awful compulsion, this awful necessity. Freedom or slavery, which one is it? Well, you know what's interesting? This dilemma or this paradox has given rise to some of the most interesting reflection in the whole christian tradition some of the best minds of christianity have labored over this problem how to resolve the true nature of freedom i'd also say this as americans we are very interested in the problem of freedom You know, our country's born in this deep passion to be free we have the statue of liberty on the east coast if you say freedom or liberty to an American, it's almost guaranteed to make our eyes kind of missed over sentimentally. That, for us, is the great value. But what does it mean? Specifically for us Christians, what does freedom mean? And what is the freedom that Christ gave us? For freedom that Christ has set you free. Well, let's look at it this way. St. Augustine made a famous distinction between what he called liberum Arbitrium on the one hand and Libertas on the other. Librum Arbitrium is freedom of choice. As spiritual people we have this gift, we have freedom of choice. We can say yes or we can say no. Do I go outside today to enjoy the sunshine or do I stay inside and read a book? Do I vacation in California or vacation in Florida? It's up to me. I have a choice. I can say yea or nay, yes or no. That's librum Arbitrium, freedom of choice. But, Augustine said, and St. Anselm followed him here very much, there's a kind of deeper sense of freedom, what they call libertas, true liberty. Anselm said, libertas is the capacity to say only yes. Let me say that again. True libertas, true liberty in the deep spiritual sense is the capacity to say only yes. Now, what does this mean? Liberty, in this sense of the word, is this capacity to follow what is best for me without tension, without opposition, without internal constraint. I know what the best is for me, and I'm able to achieve it. I'm able to follow it without obstacle, without tension. You know, Aristotle said this, The virtuous person the virtuous person, is the one who's able to do the good easily. You're virtuous if you know what's good, and you're able to do it without a lot of struggle, easily. Most of us in Aristotle's language are what he called continent. That means we do the good, but only after a terrible inner struggle. Libertas, in this second sense, is like virtue. It's the ability to say only yes when faced with the good. You know, look at it this way. Someone asked Thomas Aquinas, can God sin... Well, on the surface of it, you might say, yeah, sure, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. If I can sin, certainly God can. Well, Thomas's answer is no. Of course God can't sin. God can't fall away from himself. In other words, God can't say no. God can only say yes to what is true and good and beautiful. So, in a similar way, the saint, the saint, the one who is in line with the mind and heart of God, is the one who, as Anselm said, can only say yes. What's our slavery? That we are torn between yes and no when it comes to these deepest spiritual goods. Christians, I bet you'd admit with me that most of us know the kind of person that we like to be. We'd like to be kind, compassionate, Just, truthful, loving. You know, we know what we're supposed to do. We have an image in any situation of the person we're supposed to be. What's the problem? The problem is we're not free. In that deepest sense, we don't have libertas. We rather are torn between yes and no. I know the person I'm supposed to be, but my pride chains me. My fear chains me. My concern with what other people think of me chains me. When Paul says it is for freedom that Christ set you free, what he means, I think, is Christ, in His dying and His rising, removed from us, at least in principle, removed from us these chains as he was able to say only yes to his father's will, even to the point of death. So now he gives us the grace and the freedom to say only yes to God's will. In light of this distinction, let's look back now at these readings that seem to generate this paradox. Here's Elisha. He's just going about his daily business, plowing the field. And suddenly Elijah the prophet comes, puts his mantle on him and says, you are my follower, you're a prophet. And he follows him. But the lovely detail in the story is, first he slaughters the 12 oxen. Now this is kind of shorthand. In the ancient world, if someone is plowing with 12 oxen, that means he's very wealthy. It's like saying he's got his fleet of, Cadillacs, or he's got his three houses. Twelve oxen means he's a very wealthy man. So he's called by Elijah the prophet. He immediately slaughters the oxen and follows him. You see what's wonderful here? Now he's found true freedom. What was keeping him, perhaps, from following God's will? Maybe it was his wealth. His power, his status in the society. The fact that he was able to say no to that. He was able to let it go and say only yes to God's will. That was his freedom. That's his freedom. How about now these disciples of Jesus? Lord, I'll follow you. Don't worry, I'll be your disciple. But first, let me just take care of this family business. Why does Jesus say those rather brutal things to him? Let the dead bury their dead. You have a job to do. Is he saying, you are still too enslaved? Perhaps to your family, perhaps to pleasure, perhaps to comfort, whatever it is. You're still enslaved. To be my follower, you must be as free as I am. Just as I do only the will of my Father. So you must have that libertas, that deep freedom of soul, to do only what God is commanding you to do. And so, let the dead bury their dead. It's a very sharp, brutal, strong statement. But what it means is, I need you to be free with a complete liberty. Here's a last image for you. I was talking to a friend of mine last night who said he gave a homily at Mass, and the people all left the church. And staying behind, there was a woman sitting in the pew. It was the last mass of the day. And she sat and she sat and she sat. The whole church is empty. He finally came up and sat down next to her and said, is there something I can help you with? She said, no, I'm just thinking about something. I realized that if what that gospel said is true, my whole life has to change. I thought that was a wonderful story. In some ways, Christians, when we hear the gospel, that should always be our reaction. If that is true, my whole life has to change. Here's Elisha going along. The mantle comes over him. His whole life has to change. Lord, I'll follow you, but let me bury my father first. No, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Your whole life has to change. You see... Our lives normally are a kind of slavery. We're torn between yes and no. We're torn between what God wants and what we want. What Christ is saying is, if you are my follower, you must be utterly free from all those constraints, interior and exterior. And you must be willing to say, Lord, I live only for you. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Christians, that's the freedom to be the people we're supposed to be, to do what God wants us to do. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.